0: Early one morning during the beginning of this pandemic season, Shauna and I went for a walk. And as she and I were walking and talking, I had this idea and I shared it with her. I said something like this. Because the whole world is dealing with this virus and its implications, comparison FOMO isn't a thing anymore. And here's what I meant by that. We were no longer seeing other people eating at Michelin star restaurants and feeling like we were missing out on that experience. I mean, let's face it, in this season, we are all eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at home. You know something else we weren't seeing? I wasn't seeing your pictures from whatever Hawaiian island you were on and me asking the question, why am I not there? The only pictures of Hawaiian islands that I've seen is some of your bogus Zoom background screens. We weren't seeing each other's front row seats from the ball game or the concert. Live sports can't even be watched on TV right now. The best sporting entertainment we have is watching The Last Dance, a documentary about Michael Jordan. Uh, Or or if you want to see a concert right now, it's going to be filmed from someone's home over Instagram comparison of each other's lives isn't really happening, but, but I know what some of you did. As soon as we went into shelter-in-place in San Francisco, I know how you started to strategize. You started looking around on the internet to see what country wasn't in lockdown mode, and you thought, I know what I'll do. I'll just go there. But that window closed quickly, and eventually, everywhere on the planet was in some version of shelter in place. So I'll give you credit. You're probably no longer struggling with comparing your life to someone else's life. And yet comparison might very well be a struggle for you. Let me tell you what I mean. In this season, our greatest comparison issues are related to the life we used to have. In this current season, our greatest comparison issues or our struggles, they're related to the life that we used to have. I miss my previous life. That's why I'm giving this message from Fang, one of my favorite restaurants in San Francisco that happens to be just one block down from our church. Kathy Fang is the owner who runs Fang, and I'm here because it kind of represents my previous life that I miss so much right now. In my previous life, here was a typical day, I would leave my house at 7.20 a.m., I would walk to the Glen Park BART station, I would BART downtown, I would go work out at 24-Hour 24 24 hour Fitness on Montgomery Street, and after that I would get ready to do my deep work, which I typically reserve for the mornings. That almost always involves creating content as well as gaining vision and strategy for Epic's future. But then after I did the deep work in the morning, perhaps I would meet a friend, maybe even one of you for lunch at a place like Fang. And if we came to FANG, what we would do back in my former life is we would meet here for lunch, the restaurant would be crowded, we would sit down, you would begin to look at your menu, I would knock it out of your hands because I know the best thing to do is to wait until Kathy comes to the table and she says, are you cool with whatever I want to make today? And we would be like, yes, even if you said no, I would make you say yes. And then Kathy would ask us three questions how spicy do we like our food, do we enjoy fish, and do we have any allergies? And then she would bring us way too much food, but we wouldn't leave here with regrets. By the way, whenever Kathy's able to reopen Fang, I want to encourage all of you to show up here, order lots of food, and you will not only support her, but you will understand how you are supporting yourself when you're able to order from Fang. And then I would go back to the office, and I walked... Not far from here to get to my office, and then I could also walk just a few doors down from my office to where my teammates and friends are to share any idea that I had from that lunch. But the reality is, I don't get to come to Fang to eat lunch because it's empty, and I don't get to walk down the hall to tell my friends about an idea that I just had. If I want to tell my teammates about my greatest, latest idea, I actually have to get on FaceTime or I have to connect with them over Zoom. And you and I didn't get to spend the weekend in the Redwoods two weeks ago for Epic's Focus Retreat. That's all gone in this season. And I just want you to know that I miss my former life. Do you find yourself not longing for someone else's life anymore or the experiences that they're having? Because we're kind of all having the same experiences right now. At this point, don't you just want to go back to the life you had Prior to this, I mean, even if you complained about that life before, wouldn't you give anything to have it back? Here's a question I want to ask you What do you do when you no longer have the life you used to have and you don't yet have the life you hope to have? Huge question. What do you do when you no longer have the life you used to have and enjoy and you don't yet have the life that you hope to have one day in the future? What do you do? When we find ourselves living between these two lives, we struggle with contentment, and the reason we're struggling with contentment is because we're struggling with comparison. In fact, as we continue the Essentials series today, I'm calling this message Contentment Over Comparison, and again, I'm not talking about me comparing my life to you, I'm just comparing my current life to the life I used to have. Can you relate to that? Church, I've told you in this season that the Psalms have been so helpful and life-giving for me personally. Another book of the Bible that's really helped me is the book of Philippians. Here are some of the things that I've been encouraged by as I've read through Philippians. In chapter one, Paul, who writes this letter to the church of Philippi, he says, I'm confident of this, that the God who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion. I don't know if you need to be encouraged by that, but God is still at work in our lives and he's going to finish the work that he started. Then you get to Philippians 2, and I'm reminded to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Listen, it's easy for me to turn selfish during the season. I've got to remind myself that I must take into account the interest and the lives of other people. You get to Philippians 3, and he says, Wh- Whatever was behind me, I'm now pressing forward to, to win the, the-, the-, the prize that-, that God has called us to win. And then you get into chapter four, and in chapter four, verse four, he's like, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Then you get into 6 and 7, which I hope you lean into. These verses are actually on my mom's tombstone. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then you get to verse 8, which says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things because we've got to direct our minds minds where to put our thoughts during this time. But then you get to verses 10 through 13, and that's our text for today on this message I'm calling contentment over comparison. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This would be a great text to lean into, to meditate on, to memorize like so much of Philippians. The church at Philippi, it's obvious that they were supporting Paul's ministry. It also seems clear that it's been some time since they've been able to give a financial gift of support to Paul. And yet Paul says, I'm not telling you about my condition because I am in need. He says, I've learned something amazing. And today I want you and I to learn this too. Here's what he learned. Here's what he learned. Contentment can only be learned when we are lacking something that we used to think we had to have. Let me say that again. Contentment, it can only be learned when we're actually lacking something now that before we thought we had to have. Listen, if you are getting all the things that you desire in your life, which I guess no one is right now, but if you're getting everything you desire in your life right now, oh, I'm so sorry, but you don't have contentment. You just have happiness based on amazing circumstances. The only way I know if I have contentment is for something to be taken away that I used to think I had to have and for me to still be content, to be at peace, to have joy, And don't you love that Paul says he learned this skill. He learned this secret. He wasn't born with it. Your level, my level of contentment, it's not fixed. It is something that we can learn. You don't need to feel guilty about your current level of contentment or discontentment, but all of us are invited into the secret that Paul learned. It wasn't just for people that were spiritual giants like him. It's for everyday people like me and like you. And he says he had contentment whatever the circumstances were, whatever they were. Can you imagine this becoming true for your life? Whatever the circumstances, you're still content, at peace, full of joy. Wouldn't that be amazing? Because if I'm honest, we've allowed our circumstances to dictate so much about our level of contentment. And in case you don't know that Paul wrote the letter to the Philippian church while he was in prison, and yet he themed this letter joy. Joy was the theme of the letter Paul wrote to the Philippian church. It's, it's all about joy, and, and I want to tell you this as you think about, it's impossible for me to have contentment, Ben. No, no, think about this. If Paul could have contentment while in prison, we can have contentment in this pandemic season. If Paul could find contentment in prison, we can find contentment in this pandemic season. Please hear me. I want this season to end. Some people have said to me and others, does Ben and Epic really want this season to end? Yes, we pray daily that God will end this season. But we also have to embrace this reality. This season doesn't have to end for you to be content. This season doesn't have to end for you to be content. Content. Paul says, I know what it's like to have a lot, and I know what it's like to have little. And in our current season, we know what it's like to have less of so much, and it's easy to compare the little we have now to the plenty that we used to have. I know for sure that we've all lost in this season, but some of you have lost way more than the rest of us. But for all of us, we have less of so many things that we used to have a lot more of. We have less time to spend in the presence of friends. You may have less work in this season. We all have less opportunities to worship corporately at Epic Church. You may have less income in this season for all kinds of reasons, but here's the question I wanna ask. Do you really want to know the secret of contentment? I mean, really, are you sure that you wanna know the secret of contentment, as Paul said, in any and every situation. When he uses the word contentment, the word literally means self-sufficient. So picture this. Paul is essentially saying in verse 12, I've learned to be content without having to rely on anyone or anything outside of myself. And you're like, wow, that's kind of an arrogant statement. How does Paul mean that within himself, he's got everything that he needs? Well, You've got to move into verse 13, which by the way, uh, I think Philippians 4.13 is the verse in all of scripture that has been taken out of context the most. Paul says, where do I find the sufficiency or the self-sufficiency? He says, I can do this through him who gives me strength. What is this? This isn't winning championships. This isn't starting a company. This is when you don't win the championship and when the company doesn't get started, you can still be content. That's the secret that Paul is talking about. And he says, the secret is found in Jesus Christ who gives me strength. And you need to know, Jesus isn't just the secret to get you out of this season and take care of you in this season. He's the secret when you and I get out of this season. He is the secret. And, you know, Paul isn't comparing his present life to the life he used to have or to the life he wants to have one day, which means I've got to tell you this, your current level of contentment cannot be tied to something you had in the past or might have in the future. This is huge. Your current level of contentment, my current level of contentment, I cannot tie it to something that I had in the past or something I might have in the future. So today's contentment, no matter how nostalgic you and I are, and I'm a nostalgic kind of personality, my contentment today can't even be tied to what I had yesterday or what I hope to have tomorrow. My contentment for today has to be tied to something that I can have today, and the same is true for you. Now, raise your hand if you're like me and you've struggled with contentment at times during this COVID-19 season. That's part of my story with contentment in this season, but I've gotta tell you the rest of it. Also, during this season, I've experienced a level of contentment I have never known prior in my life. And there's a few things I've found that have been helpful, and I wanna give you three practical helps when it comes to experiencing contentment. Here's the first one. Thank God for what you still have rather than only thinking about what you've lost. Thank God for what you still have rather than only thinking about what you've lost. I know you've lost things. We've all lost some things. Maybe you've lost in a massive way. My heart goes out to you. Our church's heart goes out to you. God's heart goes out to you. But you haven't lost everything. You still have some relationships. You still have some blessings. And even if you don't have those things, God has said to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So the first practical help I want to give you for contentment is this. Thank God for what you still have rather than only thinking about what you've lost. Here's number two. Ask God for daily bread instead of thinking about the long-term future all the time. Ask God for daily bread instead of just thinking about the long-term future all the time. By nature, I am a visionary. I am a futurist. I want to know what trips I'm going on a year or two from now. I want to know what our church is going to be doing, what our kids need to be learning. I know you want to know, when is this going to end? What will be true a year from now? What will be true six months from now? Spend some time thinking about the future. But at some point also, Jesus taught you and I to ask for daily bread. And our contentment is tied not to a decade or a year's worth of bread, but to our daily bread. And he's promised to provide that. Here's the third thing I would say. Magnify the simple blessings of life that you used to take for granted magnify the simple blessings of life and your contentment level will go up. I am thanking God and I'm magnifying blessings that I didn't used to magnify. When I get a chance to walk in the neighborhood with my wife, that's huge. I'm not taking that for granted any longer. When I get to enjoy a meal in our home, even if I'm the one who cooked it, okay, maybe especially if I'm the one who cooked it, um, I'm thanking God for the blessing of being able to find that particular item at the grocery store and to have the time and the provision to come home and cook that what are those simple blessings in life that you used to take for granted that you now need to magnify and so again thank god for what you still have ask for your daily bread and magnify the things that you used to take for granted and here's a question i would love to ask you as we get close to wrapping up our time for today what is essential for your contentment i'm not asking you to give the churchy answer I'm asking you and I to wrestle with this question and to be honest with ourselves. What do you have to have? Remember, the definition of essential is something that is absolutely necessary. What is absolutely necessary for you to gain contentment? The struggle is real. I know there were trips you were going to go on, I know there are graduation things that you were going to attend. Maybe you were the graduate. I know there are weddings you were going to enjoy. Maybe it was even your wedding. I know that you had plans for the office. Gosh, you know that we had plans for so many things we were going to do as a church. I know that. And you need to know that I long- for the day when international travel reopens. There are cities that I love around the world. I can't wait to go there. I cannot wait until our kids are back in their school buildings and I cannot wait together with you all. That will be a day of celebration unlike we've had in our nine plus years as a church. But until that, we cannot say to ourselves, we need these 25,000 things to be true for us to gain contentment. Paul said, no, you actually don't, but you do need Jesus he's the secret to your contentment. But I've got to tell you something more than that. Jesus is way more than the secret to your contentment. He's the secret to everything. If you need forgiveness from your past, he's the secret. If you're battling condemnation and shame, he's the secret. If you don't have hope for the future, he's the secret. If you want to know, can a person like you be invited into the family of God, he's the secret. Whatever it is that you long for, he is the secret. And if I just said to you, Place your faith in Jesus so that you can just gain contentment. He would become a means to an end. I don't want your faith in Jesus just so you gain contentment. I want you to put your faith in Jesus so that you gain Jesus. He is good. He is steadfast. He is faithful. He is present when everything else remains absent. And even when the other stuff comes back, he's still better and he's more certain and he's more sure than all of the other things you and I want to have back in our lives, including me enjoying a feast right here at Fang, And so today, would this be the day where you, you want to press into the secret of not only contentment, but to everything else that your heart and life longs for? If that's you, I want to encourage you to say something like this to him. Jesus, I now see the secret to contentment and to all of life. I trust you. I've tried to figure it out on my own. I've lived my life having to have this and having to have that, but now I'm learning that though I love some of those things, I still want some of those things. I want you more than those things and you actually are able to meet my need in a way those things never will be able to. And so Jesus, I'm turning to you in faith. I might have plenty in one season, I might have little, but I'm going to have you. Thank you for bringing me into the family of God. If you've done that today, get your phone out and just text the word BEGIN to 313131. We'd love to help you understand what it looks like for Jesus to be the secret to all of life for you. You know, in this text, Paul continues to write to the church, and and let me tell you verses 18 and 19 so that you can begin to connect the idea of contentment with a pattern of generosity. He says to the church, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So they gave, Paul has it now. He's like, I've got enough. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then he says this, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So what does our current level of contentment have to do with our practice of generosity? So much. Here's how. When you and I are content, We no longer have an insatiable desire for more and more and more only for ourselves. We reach the enough line, and when we still have margin between what we've been given by God and what we needed to be content, we can now give some of that away. And Paul says, with confidence to the Philippian church, God's going to meet and supply all of your needs too. Just hear, hear this really cool cycle. As you've given to my needs God's going to supply your needs and will continue this cycle of generosity. You see, when you're content, you don't live with a scarcity mindset. I can't think if if God is the one who blessed me in the first place and I follow him and give some of what he's given me away, it would be crazy to think that God can't supply me again with whatever it is that I need for my life. And I love that this Philippian church was so partnered up with Paul that they were helping him advance the mission of Jesus right there. And it ended up advancing it around the world. Those of you who've been giving generously in the season, you are helping us advance our mission right here in San Francisco and literally all across the globe. If you wanna give today or start giving, you can follow the text prompt or you can go to epicsf.com giving. But remember, this church rose up to meet the needs that other people had at this time. And our church is rising up in this season to meet the needs of others. And we want to meet your needs If you have a financial or physical need, we want to meet that need. You can go to our website, click on the have a need image, and right there you can fill out a form that lets us know how to help meet your financial needs and we will respond. You might have a prayer request need and you can fill out the prayer request form on our website. Let us know how we can pray for you. But I also realize that there are plenty of emotional and mental needs in this season and as your church, community, we want to meet those needs as well. You can email me directly, ben at epicsf.com, and we will get you in touch with someone who can meet your needs. If we don't have the resources on our staff team and amongst our leaders to meet your emotional and mental needs, we will help get you the resources and the people who can help meet those needs. Our church is rising up at this time. Our mission matters more than ever, and we want to do whatever it is God's called us to do, and we want to make a difference in your life in our city. And literally, we're doing this all over the world. Let me pray for us. But before I do, I want you to know that we are in this together, that you are loved, and that you're not alone. So Jesus, thank you that you offer us the secret to contentment. Thank you that though we're missing some things we used to have and we're longing for things we hope to have one day, we have you and you're enough. Would you help us to learn the secret of contentment through you Would you show us that you're able to provide what we need? Would you help build our faith that we don't have to have a list of things that we used to think we had to have in order for us to have peace and joy and contentment? Would you build this throughout our church community and around our city and our world during this season so that when we come out of this season, we don't look to those things to give us what only you are actually able to give us? And we pray this in your strong name. Amen.